Hey friends, welcome to the Bridge Podcast, a podcast all about building bridges between parenting and faith. The goal? To encourage and equip parents to be the spiritual leaders of their home. And now, your host, Cody Monkman. Hey everyone, uh, you are listening to the Bridge Podcast. Really glad that you have chosen to listen to it. You are listening to episode four. Episode four. Uh, this is going to be released uh, for the month of April in 2017. And uh, really excited about it. Uh, adoption is a topic that has uh, really come about in the local church that I serve in. And there's a lot of misconceptions out there. But at the same time, I also know that there are families in our local church, and I presume in other local churches uh, that have looked at this uh, adoption route for their family, yet the local church um, doesn't seem to always understand what they're going through and how to meet their needs. And so uh, I am someone who doesn't know a whole lot about adoption, which is why I really wanted to do uh, this topic and uh, drive over to Champaign, Illinois, and talk to some staff from Illini Christian Ministries. And so you're going to listen to episode four as we kind of unpack uh, this topic and try to, number one, better understand adoption, uh, and number two, um, better understand the families that adopt and how we can support them and encourage them through that process and for a lifetime uh, and love them well like Jesus loves them. And so I hope that as you listen, uh, you will feel more equipped uh, to better minister to these families uh, and understand them. But also, if you're a family who did adopt, I hope that you uh, will listen to this podcast and find it uh, an encouragement to you. And that uh, even though you take day by day and and going day by day is super hard in tackling uh, the challenges that you face. Um, but know that at the end of uh, your race, um, you will be blessed. Uh, you know, continuing that race of um, running alongside that child that you adopted and meeting their needs and knowing that at the end of the day, uh, that child is made in the image of God and that uh, they have been placed under your care uh, to love them and to support them and to uh, bring them into knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So uh, with that said, here is episode four uh, with uh, Illini Christian Ministries. Hey friends, you are listening to The Bridge Podcast and I am in Champaign, Illinois with Illini Christian Ministries and we're going to be talking about adoption today, something that I don't know a whole lot about. Um, And I have Amanda Cooper who is the Director of Adoption Services, and Dana McConkie, Adoption Specialist at Illini Christian Ministries in Champaign, Illinois. So, ladies, thanks for uh, meeting with me and doing this recording. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Now, listeners, um, they're nervous. So um, (laughs) give them a little slack, okay? Um, but th- they're doing awesome things with adoption um, in Champaign with Illinois and Christian Ministries. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So, um, adoption, something that a lot of people don't know a lot about. Um, and we probably make a lot of assumptions when it comes to adoption, why people adopt, um, why Christians adopt. Um, so, kind of share the the mic here um tell us a little bit about how adoption has evolved over the years this is amanda here um i think what we've seen in adoption even in the years that dana and i have been here is that we see a lot of families that are coming to us with adoptions that they have already um kind of put together So they've heard of um, a young mom struggling um, through their grapevine of friends or family, and they really want to um, continue to build relationships and reach out to to these um, friends of theirs and their family. So they um, come to us with situations that have been put together beforehand. A lot of, um, especially with domestic adoption, more and more families are going that direction instead of using agencies or attorneys um, to 
identify their matches for domestic adoption. Um, international adoption is continually changing over the years. We still have a lot of families that adopt from China, which is a very um, well put together program. Um, some of the African countries have come and gone over the years, um, specifically Ethiopia used to have a very big program and their program oh. is much, um, much more children that are older these days um, instead of younger children. Um, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo has been through a lot of changes with adoption. Uganda is currently going through many changes with adoption in their policy and practices. Um, and just overall, many more families are, um, are seeking out adoptions for uh, the purposes of fulfilling a spiritual calling that they feel in their life, whether that is um, through domestic or international no, adoption. What's the reason why there's been a, kind of a rise in that compared to 20 years ago? It, it, well, I'm assuming there's a rise in adoption. People seeking it out, or am I wrong on that? Yes and no. Okay. I mean, I mean one thing that I was going to mention is that adoptions over the years have become significantly more open than they used to be. Um, so 50 years ago or so, all adoptions were closed, meaning there was absolutely no contact between, um, for a domestic adoption, the biological family and the adoptive family. Um, but over the years, that's really opened up a lot, which for some adoptive families is a really scary thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's definitely, I think, a common misconception in the adoption world is that um, all open adoptions are bad or scary or that it's going to be confusing for the child down the road. Um, but over the years, research has found that open adoption, or at least a semi-open adoption when there's some contact, seems to be most helpful for all sides. Um, and that's something that people are still learning about, um, which can be a draw for adoption for them, or sometimes it can be um, something that, that scares them a little bit. but we're trying to teach families about the pros and cons of the levels of openness um, and it's definitely been a bigger thing in the adoption. So let's say that my wife and I want to adopt and we want to go through Illini Christian Ministries. Dana, you're the adoption specialist right. and you're the director of adoption services. Right. What's the, how, how are you going to help me and how mm. are you going to help me? What's the difference in your roles? Yeah, well, I mean, you can talk about your overseeing position. Right, so um, adoption agencies have to have a staff member with a certain level of state licensure and credentialing uh, to be able to review and approve the documents that families need. And so I am a licensed clinical social worker and okay. LCSW. Um, and <laughs> Dana has her bachelor's degree. Um, she went to Olivet and um, she's got um, majors in sociology and psychology. Um, and so both of us do casework. Both of us meet with families, write home studies, um, and visit uh, families for adoption. And then I also do more overseeing of the department as far as um, arranging invoicing and billing or uh, managing our accreditation status, uh, making sure that we're getting the training and keeping up with all of the uh, requirements that um, adoption agencies have, both in the state of Illinois and then for our um, accreditation that we have to be able to proceed with international adoptions. There's a separate accrediting body um, that is through uh, the Council on Accreditation um, that's known as a HEG accreditation. And so we are a HEG accredited agency, which okay. enables us to do home studies and post-placement services for families that adopt children from international when countries. When you say home studies, does that mean you visit my home and you like mm -hmm. get to know me and? Yep, we do okay. um, at least three visits in your home. Um, and definitely the home study process, people have heard horror stories and are often terrified when you first come into their <laughs> home and think you're gonna be opening their bathroom cabinets and looking in there, which is not at all um, what we do. But so the purpose of the home study is mainly just to get to know you a little bit, talk about why you're adopting, uh, your adoption plans, what you're, um, what you're hoping to do with the adoption process. Um, we do some training with you, depending on whether or not you're doing international or domestic, um, we'll sit down go through a booklet, make sure that you are as prepared as possible for the challenges that are coming. Um, we do interviews with each member of the household, um, talking about 
your childhood, your background, your family, education history, things like that. Um, and we do have to get a tour of the adoptive family's home, make sure that it's safe, um, which usually every family's home is just fine. They may have to install an extra smoke detector or something <laughs> like that, but okay. most people are just fine and end up realizing this was not as bad as I thought it was. Okay. So, all right, so you, one of the questions you guys ask in the home studies is, why do they want to adopt? Mm -hmm. Let me kind of flip that question a little bit to both of you here. Why did you choose to help families with adoption services? Sure. Why are you at Illini Christian Ministries? So my story is, I guess, a little bit uh, less typical, but I was actually going into um, a master's program for counseling at Olivet Nazarene University. And in my last week of school, um, the former director of adoptions here at Alina Christian Ministries called me, um, and she was the wife of our uh, my church's youth pastor at the time. Okay. So she knew of me through the youth pastor, because I'm a youth leader, and said, I'm looking for someone to work under me as an adoption specialist. Would you like a job? And I'm like, I'm graduating in a week. Yes, I'd yes, like a I job. But am I qualified? <laughs> like, I never even thought about adoption. It was not on my radar at all. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply. And I went through the application process, um, and I got the job. So it was just one of those things that I feel like God threw into my lap, okay. which is awesome. And, and it sounds super cliche, but looking back now, I'm like, I really cannot imagine doing anything different yeah. than what I'm doing. And adoption is totally my heart. So cool, cool. Cool story, yeah. What about you, Amanda? Yeah, so I um, first started getting interested in adoption probably when I was in the fifth grade I had a friend whose mother um, was a foster parent um, when I lived in the state of California and she was a foster parent only for children who had been exposed to crack cocaine in utero oh, wow. and so I was 10 years old and I would go over to my friend's house and her mom was showing me how um, the withdrawal symptoms that these babies were having and how they needed to be cared for um, especially with swaddling them really tightly and making sure that they're soothed and that they can be calm, that they're in a quiet environment. And I was just totally fascinated by other people taking children into their home and being able to care for them and um, provide stability and love for them. Um, and that continued for me through high school. There was um, a show on television that was called An Adoption Story, where they would travel with cameras with families to international countries to um, pick up their children. And I initially decided that I was going to be a translator to Spanish-speaking countries for adoption. So I had a very specific path in mind. Um, I went to college and got my bachelor's degree in Spanish, and then I realized that I needed to be a social worker um, to be able to do a lot in adoption, and so I went to graduate school and got my master's in social work. Um, worked in residential facilities and foster care agencies for a while, and eventually wound my way to Illini Christian Ministries and um, started working with our some of our other programming here, and then in 2013, when our previous director of adoptions resigned, I um, had the qualifications and the interest in adoption and they um, approached me about um, hmm. transitioning over into our director of adoption services position. And that was almost three and a half years ago. Wow. Um, so I've been here ever since. And um, did you grow up in California? I only lived there for two years. I grew up um, in Illinois most of the okay. time. Okay. Yeah. And now both of you are in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, did you ever think you would, like, was this on your radar? Not really. No. <laughs> I, I came to Champaign for the University of Illinois to okay. do my master's. Okay. And so I never really planned on staying. Um, but it, I ended up um, coming back this direction when I came back to Illini in um, 2012. Okay. And what about you? Uh, I grew up in a little tiny farm town called Loda, which is about 45 minutes ah, from here. Um, I know so Loda. you know Loda. Most people don't know Loda. Um, so I mean, I've been coming to Champagne ever since I was little, but I didn't know that I'd be staying here this long. But it's it's great. PBL. It's a great yes. PBL. Panthers, right? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Back to Loda Panthers. Huge school, right. like 200 yeah. students. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, it was. I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, I saw a post on Facebook uh, from a family that I know has uh, went in the direction of adoption, and 
they were really nervous about the movie Finding Dory, mm-hmm. um, which I have seen twice. Um, and they were really nervous about uh, taking their children there because the the whole premise of the, the movie is mm-hmm. Dory's trying to find her way back to her, her birth parents. And it really made these... Um, these parents that adopted really nervous about, mm-hmm. I don't know if I should be showing my kid that movie mm-hmm. could bring up some conversations that I'm not so sure they're ready for or that we're ready for. Um, as people who have a career in adoption, have you found positives or negatives connected with Finding Dory? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a pretty hot topic issue in the adoption community. And I think Amanda and I have talked about it. And like that movie in particular? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I've heard a lot of people, read a lot of different articles okay. on, you know, do I take them, do I not, this is great, this is horrible. Um, and Amanda and I have talked, and I think we've kind of both agreed that it really depends on each individual child, their specific adoption story, their age, um, if they, you know, have already been told that they've been adopted or if they're already aware if they came from an international um, adoption or if they have absolutely no idea. Um, all those things are definitely factors, but um, I think in general it's a pretty positive message throughout it. Um, I mean, I know some people are concerned about it, say, you know, because Dory has the like a special need of her short-term memory, and that um, you know some kids might be like, well, is that why I'm not with my biological family because there was something wrong with me? Um, but that's really you know delving in pretty deeply um, and I think a lot of kids wouldn't even pick something like mm-hmm. that up so I don't know if Amanda has anything different to say on that but for the most part I think um, you know it has pretty positive messages about reuniting with a biological family um, and that type of thing. Yeah I think the only thing that I would really add is um, kind of expounding on it depends on how much conversation you've had with your child um, one thing that we have talked about a lot is that you never want um, your your adopted child to hear something out in public that is a surprise to them or that um, they haven't heard in the past from you at home or haven't heard um, kind of the, the real information. Because I know that um, kids talk and families talk and um, people have ideas of, of um, maybe why you adopted or why your child was adopted. Um, so we just um, always encourage families to make sure that they their children are going into any situation in the public, whether it's a movie theater or a birthday party with friends or any of those situations, um, having an age-appropriate level of understanding and information about their personal adoption story so that they don't have a need to kind of um, catastrophize the situation or to fill in with some type of superhero mindset, what might have happened um, in their personal situation or how it could or could not be like a specific story or a movie or um, anything like that that they would see. I know this conversation on like exposure and when you're supposed to have the conversation and whatnot, it's, you never want to say like, you know, give a prescription as to Mm -hmm. this is when because every kid is different, right? Definitely. But, um, I mean, is it? Is it good for the kid to know? I mean, like, and, and when do you tell them? I mean, is there certain signs that you should be looking for to unpack this conversation with them? Sure. And, yeah, I mean, it really is dependent on the child, um, for sure, because some kids are, you know, at the maturity level or even just the interest level where they're, where they're ready to hear their adoption story. And others, you know, they may need to wait a few years. But... Um, some of the, the training that we do with our families is we talk about you know these things. When do you talk about adoption with your child? How do you talk about it? Because a lot of families have indicated that's one of their, their biggest fears or anxieties about adoption is down the road, how am I going to have this conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the research says that even starting around the age of three, it's a really good idea to start incorporating some age-appropriate children's books specifically on the topic of adoption to just start introducing them to the very basic concepts of what adoption mm-hmm. is, where someone is coming from this family to this other family. And they'll use, you know, age-appropriate things like animals, uh, a certain animal going to a different animal's family. And there's um, a lot of good books out there that are um, written for that type of thing. But sometimes adoptive parents just don't know what words to say. They don't yeah. know how to start that conversation. So a book can be a really helpful place. So go ahead and take us there. Are there books out there, movies, things that uh, would be good to uh, help parents 
kids navigate this conversation? Yeah, I don't know for sure about movies. Um, Amanda might know, but um, one book that we've found to be really good is called God Found Us You, and it's written by um, an author named Lisa Ton Bergren, B-E-R-G-R-E-N, um, and it's actually about a little fox family um, and the, the mother telling her little fox child how, how he came into the family. And then there's another one called... And that one's called God Found God Us found You. Us, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. God okay. Found Us You. Um, and then another is Tell Me Again About the Night I Was Born. Um, and this is actually written by Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, there's another one that's been rated pretty successfully okay, for yeah, yeah. approaching this topic. Um, is there any situations in your guys' experience that you have seen opening up this conversation was not a good idea, or that went poorly. Hmm. I haven't seen anything that has been very poor in my experience with Illini so far. Um, maybe it's because we've only been here up to five years and the children that came in when we started aren't in their teenage years where maybe they're struggling more with their identity or um, the issues of their adoption. I, in a previous position that I worked at, I um, had a client who, whose parents told her she was adopted, I think when she was 16 years old. And that was extremely troubling for her at that time. She felt very betrayed by her parents. Mm. She felt like she wasn't able to trust them with a lot of other things because they hadn't opened up and been honest about this very important thing to her from an earlier age. Mm -hmm. So that's a situation where we really encourage families to to start talking earlier, even if you, you don't think your child is mm -hmm. old enough to understand and they probably won't be old enough to understand the the deeper meanings and roots of adoption. But the the words of adoption and having a birth mother or, or you not growing in mommy's belly or those types of things are things that can be introduced uh, significantly earlier, mm -hmm. especially before kindergarten, I would say. There's some general tips that you know people give on the best way to even have these conversations. Um, and one, especially for much younger kids, is they say you know keep it as a story and a story that the child will be, will be proud to tell mm -hmm. those around them. If there's you know really um, difficult, you know, dark issues um, in their past with their biological family story, they don't need to know that <laughs> right now. You know they have the right to have that information, but down the road when they're old mm -hmm. enough and mature enough um, to get that. So keeping it as a story, kids love stories. They want to tell stories, so make their adoption story a super positive thing. Sounds like part of it. Part of navigating this conversation with uh, your child is changing your perspective and seeing that adoption truly is a gift. Mm -hmm. Like it's a gift it that is. needs to be shared, that needs to be told. Yeah. There's a great story that is a part of Definitely. this. Kind of, you know, obviously you guys are a Christian ministry mm -hmm. and, you know, you guys hold true to James where it says... Um, you know, true religion is caring for the orphans and the widows. Mm -hmm. um, and th those are some stories to tell is Definitely. when the orphan and the widow are being cared for, tell mm -hmm. that story. Right. Um, because that's that's a story of redemption, right? Absolutely. I mean, everyone likes that. Yeah. Everyone likes uh, to be redeemed and to hear stories of redemption. So mm -hmm. um, is there a story that you guys um, obviously... Um, with confidentiality and such, right. but is there a story of redemption um, oh, there's a lot of that, <laughs> that like people would love to that. hear? Yeah. Oh, man. I had a really cool domestic adoption story um, that came full circle in an adoption where we really thought that we had possibly lost all hope of an adoption succeeding or uh, following through being successful in um, in the fact that a child was placed with a family wherein uh, a birth mother selected a family to adopt and they were at the hospital when baby was born they spent two days caring for the child and right before the day before she was to be discharged the adoptive mother or the birth mother decided to parent the child take the child's home, not continue with her adoption plan. And that was extremely devastating for the family on multiple levels. 
one of them being that she had been one of our most adamantly secure birth mothers going into adoption. And so we were mostly unprepared for that outcome. And they were heartbroken and it was a horrible uh, feeling. It was a horrible thing to see happen. I personally felt some way responsible or guilty for for the outcome and the birth mother left uh, with the child and we remained in a little bit of contact over the next couple of months and her life was very unsteady and very chaotic and we all decided at a certain point we just need to say a prayer and uh, move on and pray for this child and for its safety for the birth mother and her stability and two months to the day after his initial delivery I was contacted by the birth mother and she said do you think that that family would still adopt my baby I just don't think that he deserves to live this way and the way that she was able to provide for him at that time wasn't what she had hoped Mm -hmm. for or was wanting so I very quickly canceled every other appointment I had for the rest of the day (laughs) and uh, contacted them and said hey I've been contacted by your birth mother and wanted to know whether or not you were still open to this child and whether you could get off work in the next hour and come to our office and miraculously everything happened to fall into place uh, very quickly and she specifically requested to be able to have them come to our office and see them to be able to physically hand um, her son over to them mm-hmm. and that that was very important to her that she felt like she was able to place him herself oh wow so they came up as quickly as they could with getting a car seat in their car and um, drove to our office and after she had completed the adoption paperwork that was needed for him to go home with them and I uh, they hugged and said that they loved each other and that they were always open to hearing from her and that this child would know that how much he was loved that she tried so hard to be able to parent him herself and that it just it just wasn't possible for her in her situation at that time and well, that like gives me chills <laughs> i'm like it, i'm i'm envisioning what the the handoff mm-hmm. yeah like wow it it was it was one of the like probably the highlights of every of any adoption story that yeah. i've seen and just um god's faithfulness not that it wouldn't have been his plan if it didn't mm-hmm. have worked out that way but I went to the family's house with all of their follow-up paperwork and we just kind of sat on the couches and stared at each other and stared at this baby like, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. Um, and it's it's been amazing and she's she's felt confident in her decision wow. almost all of the time since then. Not that it, it's not very painful and, and sad and mm-hmm. hard for her. Um, but in the hospital, the family told me that they prayed that the adoptive mother was holding the baby and she prayed and asked God if this is her son and she felt like she heard him say, yes, this is your son. Mm. So when everything initially imploded, we were also confused and I've never seen people just crumble to the ground before and that's, that's what happened and um, to, to be able to to see that come full circle in a in a redemption for that birth mother and for the family and for the child and the things that we had prayed for him was just amazing. Man, can you turn the heat up? I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting chills right now. Like, it is cold in this room all of a sudden. Um, well, and obviously in that story, um, what we hear is the birth mom was looking out for what's in the best interest of the child. Like, the birth mom cared. Yes. Um I, being someone who doesn't know a whole lot about adoption and some of the stories I hear from the other side, are it's not always the birth mom was looking out for the best interest of the baby. 
Um, so can you share with us some misconceptions that the general public um, tends to make when it comes to the adoption process, families that adopt, stuff like that? I think the first that that first one is is huge that birth mothers place for adoption because they don't care. Mm-hmm. I have seen every birth mother that I have worked with in the time that I've been at Illini has placed for adoption and has truly had an interest in where her child was going, how they would be cared for, what the child would be told about the birth mother and th- that they wanted it expressed that they loved their child and that they did this adoption because they loved their child and because most of the time they loved their other children that they already had and that they were trying to look out for the best interest of their entire family unit. A lot of people misconceive that um, birth mothers are just throwing away their children or um, and there are situations where birth mothers aren't as interested in following up or making a plan, but I've had birth mothers that have just experienced a significant amount of grief and difficulty through and after the adoption process because of their love and care for their children. Have you ever heard someone say, I just can't imagine putting my child up for adoption? All the time. (laughs) What do you tell that person? that they've never probably been in the situations that our birth mothers have or are experiencing. Um, I come into work most days and thank the Lord that in my life I've been protected from so many things Mm -hmm. uh, that I will probably never experience um, living in a car or not having food for my children, not having a father for my children that cares about them or is willing to provide for mm-hmm. them or will even acknowledge them. Um, I, I tell my birth mothers as well, I, I will never pretend to understand how difficult this is for you because that would be disrespectful towards them to assume that I could even imagine what mm-hmm. that is like. Any other misconceptions? Yeah, I think a lot of people think you have to be Uh, super rich to be able to adopt and granted adoption is uh, very expensive most of the time but uh, you absolutely do not need to be rich to adopt. Um, There are a lot of different organizations that offer financial assistance for families, different grants and loans, there's an adoption tax credit, things like that. We always try to tell people like if you are called to adopt you know you can make this happen. It's, It's not the end of the road for you if you don't have a lot of money. You know, there are ways to make this happen, and God provides. You know, if God calls you to adopt, he just makes it happen. Um, Another thing is some people think you have to be really young to adopt. Um, You know, in the domestic adoption world, you know, sometimes there's birth moms who are looking for a younger family, Um, but then sometimes they're specifically looking for an older family who they feel like has more life experience, more wisdom, more maturity. Um, So really age is not as big of a factor as some people think. And certain countries um, say that you have to be this old to adopt. Um, And so it definitely can go both ways. Um, But you don't have to be super rich and super young to adopt. You know, I was, two days ago, I had two meetings in Chicagoland area. And I was in the car by myself. And I had the, I was listening to a podcast I had nothing to do with giving or adoption or anything of that sort. I don't remember what the topic was, but I I remember my thoughts were irrelevant to what I was listening to. And um, I was reminded that the greatest of things that God's involved with Mm -hmm. and how he moves require great sacrifice. Mm -hmm. The greatest of gifts require great sacrifice on our part, Mm -hmm. which is scary in the beginning. Yeah. But once you see the blessing, it's pretty great. Absolutely. And I have, I, I just, I'm thankful for families that adopt because I think of the story of Gideon where the, the God, you know, took his army down to 300 men and he was like, are you kidding me right mm-hmm. now? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And those 300 men went home to their families that night 
with an amazing story on how God worked through them Mm -hmm. and how they saw God work. And there are stories to be told because of the great sacrifice of adoption families. And those stories need to be told to other families. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Right, right. (laughs) yeah. um, Hey, gotcha days. Yep. What's your thoughts on the got gotcha days? Oh, that's another one that's hard because there are certainly proponents for it and major critics for it. But um, I feel like for a long time I was I was really positive about about gotcha days, and I, I still do think they're a really beautiful thing in some ways. I think the heart behind it is always very good, where these parents want to celebrate, you know, this child entering their family, but. Um, some of the, the the critiques about it do make sense to me, and you know they say it can be a very parent centric type of um, okay. event where it's like this is the day I got you, um, my need was fulfilled, um, and even the word gotcha has an interesting connotation where it's like you got this possession and. With a child, you're not getting a car or a computer. You're getting a life. Yeah. And and so sometimes people will say, like, homecoming day or family day instead because gotcha just has that connotation that can be really offensive to some people. Hmm. Um, Bless you days. There you go. <laughs> Bless you days <laughs> I don't know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, some people say that, you know, emphasizing the gotcha day date may trigger feelings of loss. And grief for the child um, each time that you know that day comes every year is just like another reminder of what they've they've gone through but at the same time mm-hmm. it's also a reminder of you know a story of redemption that we were just yeah. talking about and um, you know joining this family but you know it can be the happiest day in an adoptive parent's life and the absolute worst day yeah. of an adopted child's life um, and so celebrating that you know and just the cake and presents and smiles for some kids, like, that's not the right way to go about it. Because this was the day they were taken from, um, you know, if they could remember, like an international adoption taken from their culture, from people who spoke the same language with them, their family of origin, everything they knew. And even though they may be doing great now, that specific day mm-hmm. was not a day that they are thinking about with joy. Yeah. So depends on the situation, um, but you have to be careful. There was... Um so I've been in local church ministry for seven years, and um, in a previous ministry, there was a, a kid who was adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an international adoption, and he never wanted to like really engage at youth group. Mm-hmm. And um, I never attached it to his adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, I just attached it to a, a kid who is not interested in church mm-hmm. or doesn't want to be challenged or something to to that effect. What I learned later was the reason why he did not want to read out of the Bible was he really struggled with language coming mm-hmm. from his country mm-hmm. into the States. Sure. And to this day, reading and math mm-hmm. are his biggest struggle. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I think a local congregant as myself had a misconception on what was really happening there. It had nothing to do with him not being interested in the Bible, not being interested in church or misbehaving or whatever. It was he was didn't want to be embarrassed. Yeah, I didn't want to stand out. And stand out yeah. trying to read out of the Bible. And mm-hmm. let's be honest, there's names in the Bible that <laughs> it's like I have no idea how to even pronounce his name. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So um, I don't know. That's just something that I hope the listener can take and be like, you know, our pers- our perception of things is sometimes off. Definitely. It's not because they misbehave or they're not interested. There's, there may be some other reasons. Mm-hmm. And one thing on that I would add is that, um, you know, depending on the culture that the child is coming from, um, you know, sometimes there's certain cultural norms that they're used to that obviously don't make sense here. Um, but one example of that is, you know, I've heard people say um, when talking about an adopted child in their church or community, um, that they just seem really disrespectful, won't look them in the eye. Um, 
you know, just seem really um, distant. And, you know, in some countries and some cultures, looking an adult directly in the eye is very disrespectful. Mm. And that's, that's all point. that they yeah. know. So when they're coming here and they've lived their life, you know, with these certain cultural norms and all of a sudden, you know, they're being told, no, you have to look them in the eye. That's really hard for them to mm. understand. And so just for, you know, families who, you know, are around these adopted children to understand and just be educated on, you know, where they're coming from, what's normal from their background and realizing they're not being disrespectful or rude or disconnected. They're trying to be respectful. So those type of things, people just need to mm. be aware yeah. of to better understand. Yeah. The child. Um, how can local churches, local congregants help these kids and their families when it comes to meeting their needs mm -hmm. and loving them well? Um, I mean, even just meeting basic needs, like if it, you know, if someone just had a baby biologically making like meal plans um, going you know offering to babysit other kids running errands things like that go a long way for people um, and you know there's so many people who feel like they can't adopt themselves but they still want to help out somehow and so little things like that can get them involved in the adoption process even if they can't be the ones to actually adopt a child um, but I mean helping with fundraising I mean some churches can't do this but you know some churches are able to have part of their budget set aside just to help support adoptive families with the you know very high costs of adoption and that's a huge blessing coming mm -hmm. directly from the church um, that's a good idea yeah and again not every church can make that happen but it's a great thing yeah um, and just to talk about adoption more to make it more you know part of the the general conversation within the church um, Another thing, too, would be just to kind of understand um, you know, kind of where the family is coming from, uh, either right before they adopt or right after, and respecting the needs that they have, even if it doesn't make sense to them. So um, one thing that um, a lot of adoptive parents will do when they first bring a child home is they call it cocooning, where they'll basically stay home and not leave the house, not have any visitors for, could be a couple weeks, could be a couple months, and the purpose behind that is to really establish those primary bonds of attachment between the parents and the child mm, or siblings. Interesting. Okay. And that's a really important time. You don't want to have tons of people in and out holding the child, all those different things, because the child needs to understand, this is mom and dad, this is who I'm supposed to attach to. So I worked with the family. They didn't go to church for, I think it was a good three or four months. And I think some people really disagreed with that, but at the same time, they were doing, um, you know, what may be considered extreme to some, but something very necessary to help their adopted child really bond to them. And so understanding that, not giving people a hard time for not coming to church That's and not coming point. to events and not, um, you know, not just showing up at their house yeah. unannounced, you know, giving them space so they can attach. Sounds like a lot of it is just be willing to ask questions. For like sure. someone like myself needs to ask questions and not assume that, uh, family A, they haven't been to church in three or four months. Man, they must be doing really bad spiritually. That's right. They clearly yeah. need to read their <laughs> no, Bible more no, or something. I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, that may not necessarily be the be the case. Sure. So, and even okay. So you mentioned meal plans. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm trying to think of you know a Sunday school class or a small group. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming that if someone's involved in something like that because of that community mm -hmm. in many ways they're tight knit they're going to be the ones that might help with the meal plan yeah, um definitely. if you do help something like that know that you need to respect the whole cocooning thing like definitely. like i'm Very dropping a point. meal off hey can i come in the living can room I come and hug your child uh, <laughs> maybe just stay outside yeah. the door until they invite yeah, you yeah, in yeah, 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 <laughs> which yeah. is hard to do and people mean well they really do yeah. mean well but it's not always in the best interest that's a that's a good point i never the cocooning thing that's mm -hmm. something that i i wouldn't even think of. <laughs> yeah like, sure yeah we we really like for friends and family to find practical ways to make daily life easier for the adoptive family and this kind of plays into a misconception with adoption as well, especially with domestic newborn adoption, that if you're, if you're adopting a child, a newborn child from a hospital, that that will be exactly the same for that child as if you had birthed the child yourself and brought them home. And that's just not the case. Um, even in domestic newborn adoption, children can have difficulties with attachment as they get older. 
Um, the research has shown that children learn the sound of their mother's voice, how they will smell and get um, accustomed to the environment that they're in, in their, even in utero. And so when they are removed from a hospital, discharged from a hospital and placed with a different family with um, adoptive family members that sound different and smell different, maybe they have a dog that barks that they're not used to, those are all very new stimuli for a newborn to try to mm -hmm. take in, mm -hmm. along with figuring out normal newborn things like sleeping and eating and um, getting their needs met. And so families that adopt even domestic newborn, we often in their training will share with them that they should be the primary caregivers of the children, even if they do have guests over to bring a meal or a family member, that if the child needs any care regarding diapering, feeding, swaddling, soothing, that those functions should take place with one of their primary caregivers so that they can begin to understand and firm those attachment bonds. Mm, good point. All right, well, let's quickly get to um, my last question. Um, who is eligible to adopt? Well, it depends on a lot of things. Um, I tend to work more with our international um, adoptions. So speaking from that side of things, every country has completely different requirements. So if you're looking to adopt um, internationally, if you go onto the U.S. Department of State website, um, you can click on a link just to learn about a country and go on there and see for that country exactly how old you have to be, how long you've been married, um, if there are any disqualifying health conditions, um, you know, if you have um, a certain amount of money, that type of thing. So international, there's no really uh, easy answer to that. Okay. Um, but I think a lot of people assume sometimes, oh, I'm not eligible uh, for this and this. And a lot of times they find that they are. So you just have to do the research. Um, domestic is different. If domestic, uh, for working with the Illini, we ask that um, individuals are at least 21 years old. Um, if they are married, that they are have been married for at least two years. In both domestic and international adoption, it is not the case that you have to be married to adopt. That might be another misconception. Yeah, yeah. Single people, Single people adopt can too. adopt, okay. mm -hmm. uh, both men and women. Mm -hmm. With some international countries, they will specify um, single women specifically mm -hmm. can adopt. Mm. Um, I know this isn't a topic that we're delving much into at all today, but as far as fostering to adopt goes, they you can be single and be a foster parent whether you're male or female and some of those foster situations will can re evolve into adoption situations and for them do you guys deal with that here we do not you do not no. okay we do a private adoption okay. for domestic and international um other than that families have to be generally healthy but people and they have to have generally clean background checks. That doesn't mean that you can't have ever had mm -hmm. anything on your background. A speeding ticket, yeah, that's even <laughs> a DUI. We've we've had families that have had histories of different um, criminal issues. Mm -hmm. A lot of what we look at is whether or not any criminal issues were related to violence child, towards yeah. children, mm -hmm. um, inappropriate activity with children, those types of things. And um, financially, we look at whether or not families have declared bankruptcy with looking specifically at to whether or not they've declared bankruptcy in the last five years. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of it's case by case. It can be. I mean, yeah. Which I suppose is a good thing. Yeah. So for sure. So, all right. Last question. And I asked this at the end of every podcast. Do you guys remember what it is? I think so. What is a question you've never been asked that you wish people would ask you? And it doesn't necessarily pertain to adoption, just no, in general. No, anything. Sky's the limit. Oh, man. What is it? I think... Were you going to say? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I don't think anyone's ever asked me what my greatest achievement in life has been up to this point. Okay. And I think that's a cool question. It makes you kind of stop and think, you know, what am I proud of? Yeah. What, what, you know, what have I done? So... What's your greatest achievement? Oh, gosh. You're going to make me answer it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now man. I know. Of course. <laughs> There's a lot of things I could say, I guess, but I think, and it probably sounds kind of obvious based on the topic, but I really do feel like just being a part of the story of helping, okay. um, you know, 
a child join a family and a family have a child is a huge yeah. thing that I am proud of and feel so blessed to be a part of. Looking back, I know I'll always feel that now, way. Now, um, one question that I have always wanted someone to ask me is what kind of animal <laughs> in Africa would I like to ride like a horse oh, but it. never have? Nice. All three of us are going to answer this question. Every Go. animal in Africa. Specifically in Africa, huh? No, no. no? I just said exotic. Exotic animal. I'm gonna say a killer whale. A killer whale. Wow. That sounds pretty. What exciting. are you holding on to? I have no idea. Is <laughs> <laughs> there handles? Okay. I, have, I mean, the the marine biologists at SeaWorld they okay. make it happen. Oh, oh that's no. a good point. So Shamu. All right. Like to ride uh, Amanda. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that you would normally ride, but. I guess people ride zebras and giraffes I, yeah. all the time. Well, you know, I was talking about giraffe the other day. April the giraffe. I think the giraffe's back is kind of angled. It's very. It's not it, like a it's horse. The neck. The neck. It's like a constant is, curve. Yeah. So it might be difficult. Like, I don't know. It might be a little right. hard. You're gonna have to hold on to the neck. Um, yeah. Well, mine I think would be a rhino. Ooh. Um, to get dangerous. I always liked dinosaurs. And I would like to be on the back of a rhino as it's like slamming into a bird wall. <laughs> or maybe a tree or something. So that well, you could also just like like see it charging, that, you know? Like, yeah. Well, I hope you get to do that someday. I, I, I don't <laughs> think I really want to do it. Unless I'm guaranteed life afterwards. So True, true. All right, well, hey, uh, thanks for letting me come over to your office and kind of unpacking this topic of adoption. Just a lot of misconceptions out there, but I know a lot of families that have been blessed by the adoption process. So thank you for what you guys do, and thank you for coming on the bridge and kind of helping build a bridge between the local church and this idea of adoption. So really appreciate it.